Good morning again. Good to see you. Thank you. I love that. I love that. Uh, if we have our Bibles, could we turn to, uh, to Acts chapter 3? This morning, um, if you're not quite sure where that is, if you sit at home not quite sure, the New Testament begins with four gospels, then comes Acts. So it's, uh, it should be somewhat quick to find. Uh, today I probably want to do a little bit more of a, a Bible talk. Uh, than a, and a straight up sermon, uh, per se, although some of you may, may not make that, uh, difference quite as, as clear. But there's just something about this. The Lord put, uh, on my mind to kind of talk to us all about what we have to give. So the text, uh, goes like this. It's a, it's a pretty, uh, powerful text when you start thinking about it. It's chapter three. Uh, in the book of Acts, or God, the document we call the Acts of the Apostles. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at the third, at three in the afternoon. That's at the ninth hour. And a man who was lame from birth was carrying, uh, was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. And Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, uh, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. And once his feet and ankles became strong. And at once his feet and ankles became strong. And so he jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. And while he was holding on to Peter and to John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. That is inside that bigger area of the temple. You know, can I, can I just uh, ask you a question somewhat directly? What do you have to give? What are the resources from which you draw? Or what resources flow from your life, if you will? What kind of authority, what kind of power radiate from your being? Do you feel often that you are just powerless? before your own life and certainly before other people's lives. You're just not sure. If that is so, you're part of the majority. That, that's just the reality of the difficulties that we face nowadays as human beings in this modern world. We are in the midst of a, 
an emphasis, a refocusing, if you will, um, somewhat of a, of a highlighting of life together in this church. And you'll see that in front of the bulletin. You'll see that on signs around. You'll see that through emails that come out. We want to highlight the importance of life together because that speaks directly to these things. So, the Luke, uh, Luke wrote most uh, of, of what we have in the New Testament, uh, actually, in terms of just volumes. He wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostle, about 27-some percent of the whole New Testament. Uh, and it's like two scrolls, if you will, two different kind of documents. One uh, written to a Roman official uh, to kind of give an account for what was happening. Uh, it is done historically, it's done theologically, it's done chronologically in order to present what Jesus came to do, who he is, and what he accomplished and then the second document that we call the Acts of the Apostles uh, was there to show that, that uh, Jesus d- died, he rose again, and he ascended to heaven. That's chapter 1, right? He kind of summarizes everything he has done in, in the Gospels and kind of brings it on to the next step. And then he's showing that what Jesus did in the Gospels, what he was about, what he came to do, that ministry continues now by the power of the Holy Spirit through his disciples in the church. That's what the, the book of Acts is all about. And so chapter 2 again sets the stage, the outpouring of the Spirit. 3,000 came to faith, and, and we see uh, all that is going. So really, once you have that said, you would see here begins... The story, chapter 3, we just read it. It begins with a great story that talks about what do we have to give. And this is a real keen kind of question. When you start thinking about it, right, when, when, when the story opens... We're told here that, that uh, they came and they just said, what I have, I will give to you. And of course, that's always the case. That's all we can ever do is to give what we have. We all do that even automatically when we don't necessarily think about it that way. That's what we give, what we have. So my question is still, that was my question to myself, and it's my question to each of you and to all of us together. What do we have to give? Really? It's, it's, if there was ever an important question in today's world, that's it. So, Paul, the Apostle Paul, most of you have heard of him. If you haven't, look him up, Google him. You can do that. He's about 10 years younger than, than Jesus. At the age of 24, um, he, as an avid rabbi who were deeply opposed to, to, uh, to the Christian faith and to Christians, he oversaw the stoning of, of what we see in Scripture as the first Christian martyr, Stephen. Um, and then, just shortly after that, he came to faith in Christ. He was stopped by the living Lord himself. The resurrected Lord stopped him. He came to faith, and it changed everything. And then, 
a good 10 years later, if we talk just round ballpark figures, he, he is picked up uh, by, by the church uh, in Antioch and sent out on a mission journey. So now uh, he is on his second missionary journey, uh, and he comes to Corinth. This is some round figures, 52-ish kind of thing. And um, so he comes to this metropolitan, large, well-to-do city. And he starts a church, he was there 18 months. But here's a group of folks that, that were the leaders and, and the, the true influencers have genuine power. And they wanted Jesus to kind of fit their lifestyle, one that fits into to where they can accept that. They're not really all that keen to, to kind of change. So he had to say to them, those who are used to having kind of a, a philosophers, itinerant philosophers come by and, and give encouraging speech for how they were great as in what they were doing. And now Paul comes and he has to remind them in his first letter, he says here like, my speech and, and my messages uh, were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit of power, so that your faith may not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. In other words, I know where I go to have something to give. I'm not just kind of Say, going to say whatever was often just pronounced. And he created some tension because he wanted to be faithful and trustworthy in what he had to give. Bringing that up to, to speed, um, today you would, you would recognize uh, some of you uh, Christian leaders uh, Billy Graham, known uh, very well in, in the U.S. of A. And, and then you, you have another one like John Stott, most of you who have studied a little bit uh, of Bible outside of just reading Scripture will have heard of John Stott, a uh, leading, leading figure in, in the evangelical world for, for decades. And so Billy Graham and John Stott came together to say, how do we, how do we motivate? Is it possible to get Christian leaders and Christian influences, uh, influencers together to, to create like a, a new vision for global evangelization? How do we reach this whole world? How do we have something to give to the world? And here's the covenant that was made. The Lausanne covenant or the Lausanne uh, movement, if you will, is still uh, one of the most powerful, uh, helpful organization in the evangelical world on a global basis. Uh, it is still in existence. The next meeting will be in Seoul in 2024 and is now led by one called Michael O. But here's what, what Graham and, and John Stott put together for the first kind of covenant by the help of a few others as well. And I'm reading straight from the covenant. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. Therefore, evangelism should arise spontaneously from any spirit-filled church. Worldwide evangelization will become a realistic possibility only when the Spirit renews the church in truth and wisdom, faith, holiness, love, and power. 
We therefore call upon Christians to pray for such a visitation of the sovereign spirit of God that all his fruits may be appear in all his people and that all his gifts may enrich the body of Christ. Only then will the whole church become a fit instrument in his hands that the whole earth may hear his voice. Lord Jesus, give us your spirit that we may have something to give. That we may be able to live into this story. That we are called to be those who continue the ministry of Jesus to this world. Oh my. Jesus desires for us to have something to give. And we need to hear that at the same time we we often stand bewildered and, and befuddled and not sure where we find the power. We also know the one who says, I've come to give you life and even give it to you in abundance. He desires for us to have and find power through our ministry and service to him. My prayer as God called me out of a life of uh, engineering and it called on me way before, if I may share just a brief version of, of uh, my testimony, uh, I continued to push it back. I could do much in the church without being a, a minister and a pastor and a, and a leader in, in that kind of sense. Um, but he wouldn't let me go. And so when finally I, I surrendered and said, okay, I would leave this and, and go to seminary, I said, Lord, but use me in this way. Let me never lose the fine balance between trusting your unchangeable word and preaching it faithfully so that people can recognize Christ through it. And on the other hand, be willing to share God's love in such a way that it reveals who he is through Christ. Help me find that balance. That is the constant prayer. And the world, friends, as we, we look at it today, is not in less need of a revelation of the power of God's grace than it was in the first century. I think it is only as God's people capture this vision and see the deep connection by a faithful understanding and preaching of his unchangeable word and this willingness to be filled with his power and show his love and his grace to, to those around you. If, if we desire to see all these many philosophies and, and political persuasion and ideas and idea, ideologies uh, come to see the love of Christ through it all and their own, own temporality or even falsehood, that has to be the way. If we're going to see new kinds of, of religions coming and turning to Christ or turning to God through Christ, they, they must see that love that penetrates uh, everything. If, if we're going to see uh, cities come to understand the grace of God and the need for that grace of God, only in that 
way. If we're going to see intellectual centers recognize that they in themselves are, are insufficient, that would be needed. Even if we're to ever see the powers of the evil one as he creates evil uh, and find followers everywhere, just open, open the news at any time. The way to get there is to have something to give. Well, we can say, stand up and walk. Jesus desires today, just like always, to, to put his hands on what is paralyzed, to put his hands on, on what cannot move and, and say to, in the name of Jesus, stand up. What I have, I give to you. So, with that said, we have to ask the question so, where do they get it? And the text starts pretty clearly on that. They went every day to the temple, they knew where to go to find the power. They knew where to go to stand in God's presence with the others. If you back up just a little bit, you will see right here in verse 46 uh, on the previous verse, it said, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. Every day. And we go, well, I have time for that. I, I was in a meeting Tuesday morning someplace. I don't have to go any time else this week. Well, I was last week and I'm okay for the coming week. I can do all things through Christ except when it costs something. Yes? This is so painful and so powerful. And if you look at the next thing, and, and even he said, and not only did they meet together for prayer in the temple every day, they broke bread together in the homes from house to house. With joyful hearts. Life together, friends. That's where you find the strength. I have something to give. My priorities are set in that way. Why is this so important? I think it is for several reasons. You know, we talked about Paul earlier. And Paul struggles with that church in, in Corinth. One of the most riveting things I see, at least when I read scripture and trying to ask God to speak to me through it. Paul says in chapter five, the second letter he writes to the Corinthian church, he said, you know, we're ambassadors of Christ. Therefore, we plead. On behalf of Christ. And remember, he's speaking to the Christians there. We, be, we plead on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. And then he belabors in the next verse. And he says, co-workers in Christ. We are all co-workers in Christ. So we appeal to you. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, friends, don't let God's grace that had been poured out upon you be given to you in vain or with no effect. 
That's the meaning of that word. Not much different, really, from what Jesus says. When Jesus says, speaking also to, to those who are his followers, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God. All the other things will come. Seek that first. Maybe it's just me. But when you think about seeking, how often we just go through things without really deeply reflecting on what is there. You know, how many people have not gotten into a bathtub and noticed that the water rise when they do? Yes? Well, it took a guy called Archimedes to figure out that there's a reason for that, right? And, and so he figured out there's a law here that, that goes like this, that when you lower something in, in a fluid, then, then the, whatever is, is removed by that or lifted up by that, if you will, displaced, that will have the same mass and weight as, as what is lowered into that water. He was seeking to find the truth. A lot of people have sat under apple trees and just noted apple fell to the ground. It took someone like Isaac Newton to think, I wonder why apples are falling to the ground. Oh, there's a law of gravity, and he discovered that. You can, you can think we have lights all over the place here, right? And someone had to ask the question like a Thomas Edison said, how is it that we, we need to have lights? We need to have a candle or, or a gas lantern or something. Why can't we not just flip a switch and have a bulb give light to us through electricity? They, they sought to find the way. Seek first. The kingdom. Don't let it just flow. Whatever comes, comes. Seek to understand what this means. What does it mean to live as a Christian in the modern world? What does it mean to live as a Christian family in the modern world with a young family or a mature family? What does it mean to be a senior? What does it mean to be a young person? What does it mean to be a faithful Christian? Seek first. And the first, of course, has to do with priorities. The first has to do with priorities. You know, we all know what that means. It means what comes first. It's a concrete term in the, in the real sense of that word. We kind of just use it as somewhat of a flippant term. But, but first really means what is most important. That speaks to our time. It, it speaks to... Just about everything, friends. It, it speaks to the way we do fellowship. It speaks to the way we study, what we read, what we watch, what we do. It speaks to all kinds of things. What comes first in a life where so many agendas are pulling our way? Well, we kind of need to do that because all the others are doing that. We kind of need to say this because all the other people are saying it. We kind of need to do this for family reasons because of the, uh, because and so on. So what is the priority? What is it that steals the agenda? Every day, they broke bread together. They met for prayer. They focused on what can we find? How do we get to this source where we have something to give? 
to this world. So, Paul saw that. Seek first the kingdom of God. That is the place where God is glorified. The place where God reigns in glory. That is the place from which we find the resources to have something to give. There's so much that can be said about this. Paul used the same phraseology in the same way of speaking. Where he said, what I have received from the Lord, I have given to you. He had something to give. Even Stephen, that, that uh, was that first martyr, when he rehearses the whole history of Israel in this speech that caused uh, the stoning of him, one of the things he says that Moses was given living words to give to us. Real choices, friends, have real consequences. That's why the priority thing is so important. Are you seeking to have something to give? If you are, well, how does that relate to your walk with Jesus? Please don't hear this, this religious talk. We walk around, we look around, and I, I'm in this stuff all the time because I deal with, with pastors so much. Where young people do the simplest look at stats. Whether it has to do with loneliness or mental illness or struggle or suicide or, or just whatever the stats you want to look at is. You know that we need an army of people who have something to give. Yes? I, I need to stop this. I, I probably have another 30 minutes to speak, but you all would appreciate it if I don't. Um, but just think of this. Peter and John, when they said, silver and gold have I not, there, there's nothing in the text that indicates that they were as poor as the begging person that was there. Surely they could have thrown a couple of coins in a basket and felt good about that. Don't we feel good about it when we do that? But they realized that it was not just about relieving his issues for the day. They needed to point to redemption for his whole life. That's why they said, what we have, we will give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And what happened? From, from being someone who had never had a chance to do and he never could give. He was always a recipient. He couldn't even get himself to the place of begging. He now has moved from outside of the place of worship to inside the place of worship. Where he was leaping and walking and jumping and praising God. And everybody said, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Friends, that's what God wants us to do, to continue that ministry of Jesus. Yes? 
That's what the book of Acts is all about and begins right there. Let's stand, friends. And You know, you saw those of you who follow along and who have been here a lot, you'll notice we always have a season of prayer. And earlier in the service, we're going to move that to this point right here. Some of you may want to come here, and I, I trust and hope some of you will. Say, i, I got to find this place in a new way. Some of you want to grab another one's hand and say, let's pray together. That we together, as family, as friends, or whoever, can seek God together, that we may have something to give. That's the call, friends, on the First Baptist Church and everyone in it of Louisville, Texas.